He's just a good God. He's just a good God. And there's no other words to be able to put it. He's just a good God. He is just a, he's phenomenal, y'all. He's just a good God. Ain't, ain't nobody like him. You can search all over. They tame the body. You can search all over, and you never be able to find anybody. Not like my God. There is no bay. There's no boo. There's no car. There's no house. Hey, listen, there's no sex that can be able to outtouch God because God is just that good. Yes, he is. He is just that good and amazing. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're still in our series entitled, This Is Us. And look at somebody and say, this is us. Look, look, at, your, look at your family around you and say, this is us. This is us, good and bad. Everything in between, this is us. This is who God has put us together with. This is us. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. We've spent the past five weeks, a little bit more than that, including Wednesdays, and we've just been um, looking at the Word of God and, and looking to see what does God have to say about family? What does God have to say about marriage? What does God have to say about singles? And I hope and pray that you have been blessed, that you have been convicted, that you have been challenged um, by the Word of God. When I use the word convicted, not in the manner for you to be, for you to condemn yourself and to feel down, but for, for something, for, but to be convicted so that you can be able to make an adjustment and make a turn in your ways and be able to turn your way closer to God and to go after God with everything that's in you and allow him the opportunity to get this to begin to transform your heart and your mind so that he can be able to make you into what you and I can become on our own. We need him. We need him. We need him to help shape our marriage. We we need him to help us how to be able to forgive quicker. We need him. We need him to help us husbands how to be able to lead. We need we need we need him to help us and with our wives to be able to submit as the husband is loving God and loving you. We need help in embracing our singleness as a call for where we are and not waiting for our lives to begin or to start when we get married, but to take the opportunity to embrace where we are and to make full of where we are in God. So I want to challenge us these next two weeks as we begin to bring this series to a close. I want to preach this Sunday and next Sunday from the title, The Setup. The Setup, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. I hope you got it. Grab your Bible, grab your pen, grab, grab your note, get every, gather a family around so that you can be able to grow together as a family. Here's what it says. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at your home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them onto your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word, the authority of your word, the force of your word. God, your word is so transforming. It can literally take something that's dead and make it alive. So I pray that we will adhere to your word and what you're saying in your word, what you're calling us, what you're, what, what you're challenging us to do and to become. And we've already made up in our minds that we're going to obey. We're going to obey. We're going to willingly obey. Listen, God, we're going to beat you to the punch. You don't have to even tell us everything. We're still going to obey. 
because we trust your sovereign hand in our lives and our families. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And we say amen and amen. The setup, the setup. Look at somebody around you in your house. Look around. Look, find somebody and tell them to set up, the setup, the setup, the setup, the setup, the setup, the setup. So we kicked off this series talking about marriage and from the title, Making Marriage Great Again. If I could go back, I would have entitled this whole series, uh, Making Family Great Again. But we talked about marriage and encouraging marriage and, and sharing the blueprints for what marriage should look like, that it should mirror God's word, the examples that he has shown in his word and written in his word, not just as good, as good advice, but commandments for us to be able to follow. Not saying that we're going to have a perfect marriage without any issues, but we're going to have some issues, but that we have the word of God as our foundation so that we can be able to move according to what God's word has to say and be made and to continue to be transformed into his likeness and to his image. We spent two weeks talking about that. We spent two weeks intentionally encouraging our singles to be able to embrace where they are. I know we even hit on that hot topic and that, that sensitive topic about sex. And listen, we wasn't just hitting singles. We were hitting everybody because if you remember what I said a few weeks ago, um, that whether you what I said a few weeks ago, that it does not make a difference. It does not make a difference. Marriage is not going to cure your lust. If you're lustful as a single and don't let the Lord help you, you will be married and lustful. Okay, I can't get no help in here. I know. Pastor, you keep saying that. Ain't nobody in the sanctuary with you. I know, but I just want you to talk back to me while you're there at home. I want you to talk back to me in such a way that even through Facebook, I can hear you. Hey, man, as if you're here in the sanctuary. So we spent this time intentionally in the word of God because here it is. As believers of Jesus Christ, we don't have to walk around life aimlessly without direction and purpose. We have God's word that can be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We have to get to a place in our Christian walk that God's word becomes everything to us. That we don't, because the Bible says it, because in him is that we live, move, and have our being. We have to have a living, thriving relationship with the word of God. Where the word of God is dictating every area of our lives. I know you're grown. I know you're gone. I know you got all your bills in your name, some, some bills in your kids' name. You shouldn't do that amen but you have bills in your name and everything you enlarge taking charge you're handling your business but get this i know you are degree you got letters in front of your name in the middle of your name and at the end of your name but you still don't know enough to be able to run your own life you need god's word you need the empowerment of the holy spirit to be able to live a life that is pleasing to god because get this without him we can't do what we need to do without him we cannot live godly holy lives that bring glory and honor to God. If we don't depend upon the Holy Spirit to be able to help us, we will find ourselves single or married or in between in a whole gang of entanglements. But we would, because we would have been led by our flesh and not by God. I know the saints got quiet when I use entanglement. I know, I know, because you might be in one now. God can bring you out. Yes, he can. God can bring you out of it. But we need to depend upon the word of God and allow his word to be everything to us. Y'all, come on. We got to have a living, thriving relationship. When you come in contact with this word, I said this this past Wednesday, when we come in contact with the word of God, it has the power to begin to transform us. It has the power to change our mind, to change our actions, and our our course of ways and if it's not doing that the problem is not with the word the problem is with the receiver yes, that we're not allowing his word 
space in our lives, space in our marriage, space in our singleness, and now we're going to talk about space in our parenting to help us be what God wants us to be. Can't talk about marriage, can't talk about singles if we don't talk about parenting. To see what does God's word has to say about parents. Here it is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Moses writes this. He, he, he is sharing some words with Israel as they are getting ready to walk into the promised land. Y'all know what that is. That land. That land that has been promised. That land that has been spoken and said that was going to be flowing with milk and honey. Moses gives them, Moses calls their attention to make them alive, to get them to understand, hey, before you get there, before you walk into the promised land, before you walk into God's promise, before you walk into destiny before you walk into a land flowing with milk and honey. There are some things you need to know. There are some ways that you need to commit to. There are some things that you need to acknowledge. There are some things that you need to do, not just for you, but for the next generation to be able to thrive and be everything that God desires for them to be. Here it is. It's going to be on your screens in just a second. Here it is. For children to be able to thrive successfully in the world, they must first thrive at home first. Let me say it again. It's on your screens. For your children, for your grandchildren, for your nieces and nephews, for your godchildren, for your, your play son, your play daughter, y'all know how we do. For them to be able to thrive successfully in the world, they must first thrive successfully at home. I know, I know, I know, because here it is. We're living in an age now where we want to be able to put all the responsibility or some of the responsibility on other things and other people. But as parents, I'm sorry, you are the primary facilitator and teacher of your children. I know, I know you don't like it, but just stay with me for a second because it's going to help you and going to bless you. Listen, you can be able. Here's the one thing about parenting. You cannot outsource parenting. Parenting is something that you have to do as the primary father, as the primary mother, and everything else is just supplements. Church is a supplement. Children's church is a supplement. School is a supplement. But you are the primary teacher in your child's life. So it's so important for you to take that role, to take that role wholeheartedly and to be able to commit to what God's word has to say about helping your child to be able to thrive. We got to set them up. Man, we got to set our kids up. We, we have to set our kids up so that they can be able to drive, so they can be able to thrive and drive. Hallelujah. They can be able to get their license and drive and go to the store and all that good stuff for you when you need, amen, some salt from the store. You don't have to put your shoes on. Sing your child once they get their license. Praise God. I can't wait to carry and Kenny get to that point because I'm going to have them going to the store for everything they have me to go to the store for. But it's going to be adult things now, praise the Lord. It's going to be groceries and getting my clothes out the cleaners. But anyway, besides that, I know I'm kind of raining a little bit. But anyway, hey, we want to set our kids up. We want to set that next generation up to be able to thrive successfully. But it first starts off at home. Look at somebody in your home and say, it starts here at the house. It starts at the big house first. It, it starts at headquarters first. It does not start at school. It does not start at church. It starts at home right now. 
and setting your children up and setting the next generation up to be able to thrive. Here it is. Here's what Moses has to share with us. Here's what Moses has to say. When you look at verse 4, this, this is called, in the Hebrew, this is called the Shema. And this was the part of the Jewish culture that meant, that meant, listen up, here. Here, listen to what's being said. It's so important. They would say this repeatedly because they wanted to get the attention of all of the Jews to be able to hear what is being said because it's imperative for their lives to get it. And not just to hear it and not just to listen, but to be able to act on what the word is saying for them. Here it is. Let me help you out real quick so we can get out of here at a decent time. In order for us to set the next generation up, here it is. You set the next generation up by living it and not just talking it. Look at verse 4 and 5. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Right there, Moses is giving the example. Moses is sharing the commandment that, hey, you're going to have to love God with everything that's in you. If you are going to encourage your children, if you're going to encourage the next generation to be able to thrive if we're going to set them up. Here it is, parents. Got to hold you accountable. We have to hold each other accountable. We're going to have to stop talking it and we're going to have to start living it. Right. Pastor, what do you mean by that? You cannot expect for your children to love God and you have not set the example of what loving God looks like before them. You cannot expect your children to fall in love with the God that they have never been introduced to. You cannot expect your children to worship a God that you won't even make, consecrate a space within your home for them to be able to worship, for you to lead them in worship. Moses says, hey, hey, if we're going to help the next generation, if we're going to set them up, it's going to have to be by our actions and not just by our talking. Can I tell you that's what's wrong with our world today? That there's a lot of talking going on, but there's no action that's following it. There's a lot of talking going on and a lot of advice of what you should do and how you should live, but there's no clear example of someone walking out. What does loving God with all my heart and with all my mind and with all my strength looks like? So that we can be able to help the next generation and set them up to be lovers of God. Because of the clear example that was made at home. Oh my gosh, you, 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 you have the prime opportunity right now. You are at home. You are at home. You're doing a lot of things from home right now with your children. You have the opportunity right now. You have the opportunity right now to be able to lead your children in a closer relationship with God. You have the ability right now to be able to disciple your children. You have the ability right now to steward their discipleship and their spiritual growth and their spiritual development. No, 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 no. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to have a license or an ordination certificate to be able to lead your home. In fact, in your home, if you are the father, the husband in your house, you should be leading your family spiritually. If you are a single parent, you should be leading the children in your home spiritually. You should be the first pastor in helping to cultivate the gifts, the talents, and the abilities, but most of all, their relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Their introduction to him should come through you by the way that you have lived.
Parents, I got a question for you. Is your relationship with Christ, your relationship with God, so contagious that your children are inspired by your love for God? Parents, is your, is your, is your relationship with God so on fire that your children desire to worship the same God that you worship? Is your relationship with God so tight that they've had their first introduction to prayer by watching you pray? They've had their first Bible study by watching you share the word. That they know what service looks like because they've seen you give. Have you set the godly example in your home of what a relationship with God looks like or have your children modeled your life and looked at your life and examined your life and evaluated your life and say, hey, if that's what being a believer is, I don't want nothing to do with it. Do they hear you talk a lot but don't see a lot? Is it two different people? It's a Sunday morning mama, the Sunday morning daddy, and we see that she's all saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. But when they get home, it's nothing but hell and tension. What example, godly example, are you living before your children? What model are you living before your children that develops a thirst to know more about God? Oh, my gosh. Well, Pastor, oh, you're making me feel bad. It's not to make you feel bad, but it is to challenge you and to help you to be able to grow, to see. As I fall in love more, I don't have to, if I, as I fall in love with God more, I don't have to say too much, but the residue from our relationship with God will be throughout the house, will be throughout everything that we do, that they will see. When Mama and Daddy got in trouble, they didn't go and call somebody and to talk about the trouble, but they gather us around and they informed us and we prayed to God and we believed God and we saw God manifest himself in our family. Can I tell you something about children? Can I tell you something about your kids that don't want to tell you? They can spy a hypocrite real quick. <laughs> oh, yes, they can. Kids can tell you what is real and what is fake. And we know Jesus was always criticizing the Pharisees and the religious people, and he called them hypocrites because in the Greek, that just simply means play actors. We know how to act a part, but we suck at living it. Are you modeling a consistent living relationship with God that you don't have to give a whole language to, but your life leads it even when you fall. They see how grace lifts you up. And the grace of thirst within them to say, I want, I want to serve the God of my mother. I want to serve the God of my father. I, I've seen him do too much. I, I've seen him made ways. I, I've seen him come through for us as a family. I got to serve him. 
could because I've seen how they had, how he has transformed my mother, how he has transformed my father, how he's transformed grandma and granddad, how he's transformed whoever it is, the one that is leading you in your home. They've seen how the power of God has transformed your life. Moses says here, you have to, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Pastor, what does that mean? How do I execute that? How do I make that happen? I like what Pastor Tony Evans shares in his book, Raising Kingdom Kids. Hey, whenever I mention a book, that's, a, that's just suggests to you that's something that you should be reading. In my eyes, Tony Evans is one of the greatest black theologians that I know of. I read what he writes because he has major, 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 major godly wisdom. Um, that is, it, 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 will, it, will, it will bless your life in so many ways. Here's what he says. Here's what he says. He says, when, when, when we say when God commands us to love, with all of our heart, it simply means that the core of our desires, that he becomes the core of our desires and our affections. That means our heart, that the hub of our heart has our passions, our, our desires, how we really feel. That we allow God to be the center of our desires and our affections. That whatever our desires may be, if they don't line up with God's desires and God's word for my life, we don't want it. And I make him, that I love him with all of my mind, that I conform my thinking to his word. And when I conform my thinking to his words, now I am a recipient of God's wisdom that will help me navigate the world. Can I tell you something? I know I, I haven't been a parent that long, but one thing that I do know, I need God's wisdom. Oh, yes, I do. I need God's wisdom and how to be able to lead God and to direct my girls. I love the swim sisters, but they are two totally different sisters, and I have two totally different people, and I have to have two totally different systems and how I am to lead them with godly wisdom and direction. And I don't know enough to do it on my own. I need God's wisdom. And so if I need God, if I need God's wisdom, I have to be willing to submit and commit my mind to conforming my thinking to his word. That I love him with all of my soul. That I place the uniqueness of my personality under his control. And everything that I am, I submit it to him. And I allow him to be the driving force behind it. I love him with all of my strength. I use my body and my energy to perform his will. That I give him access to my hands. I give him authority to my feet. I give him authority over my entire body so that he can do with it as he will because it don't belong to me anyway. He bought it with a great price. And I submit it to him so that he can be able to do with it as he sees fit. That I submit my life to him, everything that I am, everything that I'm not, everything that I am, and everything that I hope to be, I submit it to him so that he can do with it as he pleases. This is why we have to live it. This is why we need the help of the Holy Spirit as parents to help us to live out his word and not just speak his word because it's not good enough for you to be able to quote scriptures, but your heart is far from them. It's not good enough for you to be able to quote scriptures 
on your children's sin. Oh, but you've forgotten those scriptures according to your sins. Don't, don't, you, don't you throw me off. Don't you throw that book at me. I said what I said and I was right. You can find scriptures to be able to condemn your children, but you extend a truckload of grace to yourself, but not to anybody else. If we're going to set our children up, if we're going to set this next generation up right, if we're going to give them the great setup, we have to live it and not just talk it out. Here it is. Here's the second thing. It's right here. I'm almost done. He says here, if we're going to set the next generation up, we can do so by using every opportunity to teach our children. Look at what he says, y'all. Verse 6. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. Talk about them when you're on the road. Talk about them when you're going to bed. Talk about them when you're getting up. Then, uh, the, then, then tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on the city gates. Moses here is, in, is encouraging the people to diligently, some versions may say, to diligently, in, to diligently teach their children. And that simply means in the Greek to be able to sharpen, to be able to teach your children in a way by the word of God that it pierces and it penetrates every area of their lives. Pastor, why, how do I do that? That means that in everyday life, I'm simply, I'm simply inviting my children to be able to see everyday life through the lenses of God's word so that they can be able to see what God has to say about everything. Look at detail. Look at how detailed he says. I like what he says in verse 7. Repeat it. And to say it over and over and over and over again, not by not in the means of just coming and trying to condemn and always trying to be churchy with scripture, but to constantly to keep the word of God before them. Because if the word of God is not set before us consistently, we will wander off into our own ways and our own actions and our own behaviors. He says, you got to repeat it. You got to repeat it. And look at what he says right there in the latter part of verse, uh, latter part of verse seven. He says, he says, you got to talk about them when you're at home. Oh God. You got to talk about them while they're at home. That home has to be, home must be the central headquarters for your children's spiritual growth and development. When I'm not expecting you, God's not expecting you for you to be some type of theologian in your home, but God is expecting you that even as, as you're growing and development to being made into God's likeness and image, that you are using what you're learning to be a tool to be able to teach your children so that at home, it's a central place where they're being discipled. The central place where they're being developed. The, the central place where they are being transformed and shaped through the teaching of the word of God. Why? Because I want, I want, we desire for our children's lives to be, to be penetrated th through every aspect of the word of God, that they can be able to see the world through the lenses of God. They can be able to see everyday life through the lenses of God's word. He says, you got to do it at home. He says, when you're on the road. Got to talk about it. When we're traveling, 
that you're intentionally taking every moment to create space to talk about God. You can simply be in a car riding and look at God's creation. Did you know that God made the trees? Did you know that the wind cannot blow a leaf off a tree unless God gives it permission to? That we use every opportunity to be able to teach and to show our children who God is through his word. Look at what he says. He says, when you go into bed, take that time to create space to talk to them about God. Now, now, please understand this, parents. Now, don't have the religious mind where you're trying to force God on your children, where you're trying to pour church and God down their throat, but that you're looking for creative ways, that you're engaging them, talking about their day. You're engaging them, sharing about, hey, what went on during your day? What happened at school? I know you've been at home with me for school, but what happened at school? Are there concerns that you have? This is a perfect opportunity. Our children are facing something they have never experienced before in life. Carrie's asking me all the time, Daddy, when will I be able to go to school and see my friends? Daddy, when will I be able to meet my teacher in person? Experiencing something that they have never had before. Here's a great opportunity for you to open up the door and hear what your children have to say. And whatever their concerns are, whatever their fears are, whatever their anxieties are, before they go to bed, they can sleep in peace because you can take their concerns and come with them together and pray and give them to God. And they can watch God through your lives and through your prayers change their lives. Don't let the last thing that they hear before they go to bed, some show they're watching on their phone, some show they're watching on TV. Let the last thing they hear before they go to bed is that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask, think, or wish. Let them hear before they go to bed that God is in control of everything. Set your children up to experience from a young age. He will keep you in perfect peace. Hallelujah. When you keep your mind stayed on him. He says, don't just do it when they go to bed. Look at what he says in verse 7. He said, but teach them when they're getting up. Oh, God. Let them realize that even as kids, it's not because, it's not because, it's not because you've been so good and been so kind that you woke up today. It's God's grace and mercy that has woken you up. Let them know that this is the day that the Lord has made. And whatever may come our way, we're going to rejoice. Why? Because God's got us. Because God's got us, we're going to make it. It's tied into your hands. Wear them on your foreheads. They literally took this to heart in their culture. They, were, they made a box and tied the box around the heads and put scriptures in the box. All God is saying, just keep the word on your mind. Keep the word of God consistently before you. First nine, write them on your doorposts of your house and on the gates. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's got to be the main place for them to learn. It has to be the main place where teaching is going on. 
Here it is, parents. Whatever you model will be repeated. Whatever you model will be repeated. Whatever example, godly or ungodly, that you set before your children will be repeated. For all humanity, please let whatever is repeated be good stuff. You have the opportunity to set your children up to thrive in the world successfully when you treat home as a home base and you model before them good actions and good behaviors. Because whatever you model is going to be repeated. It's going to be repeated. And whatever is repeated, thank you, Holy Ghost, will be a reflection of your parenting or the lack thereof. If you model anger before your children, man, they're going to be angry. They're going to do that. If you curse, okay, now listen, let's be honest. You ain't walking around the house speaking in tongues all day. If you stomp your toe, you may not say thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Something else may come out. And you catch yourself, you go, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Because you don't want them to repeat it. But don't blatantly model something and then get mad at your children because they repeated it. Don't say, do as mama and daddy do. And not as I say. No, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Don't tell your children, do as I say and not as I do. They're looking at your actions and whatever you model before them is what they're going to repeat. He says, teacher, when you're at home, that has to be the place, main place where teaching's going for it. He says, write them on the doorposts of your homes, write them on the doorposts of your gates, talking about civic and social life, talking to your children about what's going on in our world today with the virus, with the racism, and sharing God's perspective and what God's word has to say about it because they, more, they know more than, than you think they do. They're smart, they're intelligent, engage their minds to see what they have to say and to see what they know. Here it is, all right, pastor, you're getting on my nerves. How do I apply this? How do I set them up? How do I teach them? How do I do all this stuff that you've mentioned today? Here it is. Take advantage of the moment we have right now. I told you earlier that this is a new thing that we're in right now. This is probably the first time, first time that we know of, first time that I know of, where we're at home with our children more than we probably ever have been before. You have the opportunity right now to set your child up to instill within your children the morals and the teachings of God's word and about life. You have that opportunity right now. You can teach them the word. We don't have to worry about and use as an excuse. They should not have taken prayer out the schools. Now they're at home with you. Teach them to pray before they start. Oh, they ought to be doing more black history in school. Teach them about black history now. 
everything we've complained about and waited on the government to do, God says, now you have the opportunity to do what you've whined about. Take advantage of the moment. Be the primary teacher in setting your child up to thrive as they get older, to be successful, to be godly and successful in our world. Pastor, I don't know what to do. God will help you. God will help you. And you have enough support around you that can help you get started to set your child up. Huh? Well, Pastor, I'm single. I ain't got no kids. This is waiting for me. Yes, it is. You got a nephew. You got a niece. You got a cousin. You got some God kids. You, got, you, have, you have influence over some children that look up to you that you can come alongside of another parent and help them in setting that child up to be that child's village and help them thrive successfully in this world. You can't do it on your own. You don't know enough. We don't know enough. We need the help of God. We need the wisdom of God. But it starts off with you, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, whoever it is that's raising the children, to have a living, thriving relationship with God, a contagious relationship with God, that your walk with God creates a thirst within them to want to know more about God. That's how we set the next generation up. That's how we get them started on their way. Not just in wearing Ralph Polo and having some Jordans. If that's the pinnacle of your parenting, you've missed it. They got Jordans, but they can't even spell the shoes they got on. Let's start with living a life before them to model. Not perfect, but to model as an example. Even what grace looks like when we fall and mess up and make mistakes, because we will. I make it a habit now that when daddy is wrong, I go back and I apologize to my girls so that they can know that daddy and mommy messes up sometimes. I don't get it right all the time. I may get mad and yell because you kept asking me something over and over again. You're just getting on my nerves. And it came out the wrong way. I got to go back because they're people. They're humans. Go back. Even at four and one, I go back. Kitty doesn't understand. She just say, okay. But I go back and I apologize. So I want them to know you matter. Even at four, even at one, you matter. And I want to give you the best start that I possibly can. The best start that I possibly can. I want to pray for you parents right now. I want to pray for us parents right now. Because here it is. Your child may be grown, paying their own bills, but you never stop parenting. They may be older and still at home, but you never stop parenting. It changes as they grow, but you never stop being a parent. 
I'm 35 years old with a wife and two kids, and I still need my parents. I still need their wisdom. I still need their insight. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up every parent right now. I, 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 I lift up every parent that has stepped in. And God, I pray for wisdom right now. It's challenging right now to, to parent kids in this culture right now. A culture that kids can be able to go to court and divorce their parents. It's challenging right now. So I pray, God, that you would give them the resilience. I pray, God, that you would give them the patience. I pray, God, that you would give them the life to be the example, to model before their children what a thriving, contagious relationship with God looks like. I pray whatever obstacles that stand in their way, God, even right now, unique obstacles that stand in their way right now as we're thriving through this pandemic, whether it be child care, whether it's finances for child care, whatever it is, God, I know that you're able to provide. And God, I know that you will provide. So I pray. I pray for the parents right now that think, oh my gosh, I'm horrible, I suck. I pray right now, God, that you will be the lifter of their head. That you will be their confidence, Father. And helping them to be able to get this thing right. Give them the wisdom that they need, Lord. Let them realize that they're not in competition with their parents and trying to do better than what they did. But let them realize that this is a race they have to run. They can use it as a gauge of what not to do or what to do, but they don't have to compare. They don't have to be in competition. They don't have, they don't have to exactly be the way their mama was or daddy was but you have uniquely fashioned them to parent the children that they have right now that you've given them stewardship over. So in Jesus' name we pray and we say amen. Listen, I want to invite you to the opportunity right now that if you don't know Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this can be your day, the start of a thriving, living, contagious relationship with God. I pray right now that you will make the decision to accept them into your life. Right where you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, today can be your day of a new beginning. Today can be your day of a new start. Today can be your day of a new legacy. If you want to be saved, just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And you, ma'am, you, sir, you, son, you, daughter, can be saved today. If you don't have a church home, we would love for you to be a part of our virtual sanctuary. All you have to do is put in the comment section that, hey, I want to be a part of Team Hopewell. Inbox us on Facebook. Someone from our team will reach out to you, connect you with our Connections Ministry, and get you on board to be a part of Team Hopewell.